0: Good morning. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark and chapter 8. It's on page 1011 in your pew Bible if you would like to follow. Mark 8, chapter verse 1. During those days another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also, and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. And having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked for a sign from heaven. Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he led them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello again. So, we're in our sermon series on discipleship, and today we're thinking of the theme transforming generosity. And it's appropriate, therefore, to be thinking about giving on gift day and the importance that giving is in uh, relationship to discipleship, to following Jesus. But as it's gift day, let me lighten the moment with a joke. The strong man at a circus demonstrated his power in front of a large audience in the big top, and towards the end of his routine, he squeezed the lemon, sorry, he squeezed the juice from a lemon between his hands. It's much harder to squeeze a lemon from a juice, anyway. He then said to the audience, I will offer 200 pounds to anyone who can squeeze another drop from this lemon. Well, it just so happened that Olwyn and Keith Winter were at this very circus And Olwyn leapt forward, eager to have a go. Olwyn strained hard, and to the strong man's amazement, managed to extract a drop. He was aghast, and as he paid Olwyn the £200, he said, "'What is the secret of your strength?' "'Practice,' replied Olwyn. "'I've been treasurer of Christchurch Basin Hill for 17 years. "'I'm used to squeezing out every last drop.' Well, this amazing part of Mark's gospel story we heard read demonstrates that God isn't in the habit of extracting a tiny drop. He wants to provide more than enough through transforming generosity. And I wonder, what difference transforming generosity has made to you? What difference has it made to you? Or how has your transforming generosity made a difference to somebody else or to some others. I want you just to think about that for a moment or two, the difference transforming generosity has made to you or the difference your generosity has made to others. Just have a think about that and then I want you to share that with somebody near to you, either next to you or whatever, and uh, just say the difference you've made or it's made to you. Once you've had a think, have a little chat, so go for it. Okay, well, thank you for sharing with one another, but well, we must press on. I hope it was good to just think back and to recall those moments, because they can be really life-changing, either for us or for other people. Years ago, I needed a new electric piano to take with me to lead worship, and I didn't have one, and I couldn't afford it. And one summer, Kate and I went to stay with some friends, And when we were there, they asked about music and worship and inevitably we mentioned about the piano and we thought nothing more of it. The next morning at breakfast, they gave us a cheque for £2,000. It was totally unexpected. And I tell you, that was quite a sacrificial gift to them. That was transforming generosity. Some time ago, Holy Trinity Brompton, that very large and uh, very influential church in um, the centre of London, planted a church in St. Peter's Brighton, a church that had been closed. The weekend before the church reopened, a local vineyard church that was just around the corner had a collection for their soon-to-be new church neighbours. And on the Monday morning, the vineyard leader went to see the vicar and gave him a cheque for £10,000. That was just from one offering in that vineyard church. That's transforming generosity. Mark's account in uh, his gospel that we heard has much to tell us about transforming generosity, and we're going to explore four of these things together. Now, these pictures that I'm going to be using and showing come from a reenactment of the feeding of the 5,000 on Brighton Beach last September. Teams gave out 5,000 fish sandwiches to members of the public, 5,000. It made a real impact, as you can imagine. So firstly then, the first point, we give because there is a need, not through duty or obligation or guilt. Jesus had compassion on the crowd who followed. You can see that in verse 2 of chapter 8. The people were hungry. In Matthew's version of events, The disciples asked Jesus to send the crowds away so that they could walk into the nearby towns and villages to buy food to eat. But Jesus gave an instruction that must have struck struck dread into the minds of the disciples. You give them something to eat. Don't forget that these disciples, these followers of Jesus, are relatively new to the Jesus adventure And whilst they've experienced some amazing things already, they have much to learn. It's a little bit like a young learner driver saying to his or her mum or dad, we need to visit a university in the centre of London. And the parent responding by saying, well, you can drive us there. In 1998, Kate and I were working with people on a deprived ex-coal mining estate in Stoke. And God was doing wonderful things there. And I was asked to be a member of the Local Authority Estate Regeneration Committee. And at the time, I had a conversation with the Bishop of Stafford, who was my boss, and, uh, about this. And he said, oh, that's all excellent. I want you to join me at the government's commission on ex-coal mining areas, chaired by the Deputy Prime Minister. Oh, and by the way, you can make the presentation. It was really, really nerve-wracking. I was only 23. But on that day... Once I'd cracked my first joke, everything (laughs) was okay. (laughs) On that estate, though, in Stoke, there were many needs. Children would come to school without uniform, in clothes far too small, in shoes four sizes too small. Kate and I would pop to Tesco to buy uniform, and we did that on a regular basis. The difference this made to the children was huge. We give because there's a need. The need requires courageous giving. What motivates your giving, my giving? Is it need or is it duty, obligation or even guilt? Is it the needs we see in this community that only Jesus, only Jesus can meet? Is it the mission that God is leading us into Is it the desire to satisfy the aching hunger in people's lives through all that God is offering through our church community? Is it the passionate desire to enable transforming encounters with Jesus Christ? And like Jesus, do we want to help people through the long and arduous journey through life? And do we even see and feel the need? Is that even registering in our lives? Or in some ways, do we expect the people of Baston Hill and Shrewsbury to go and sort themselves out, the equivalent of the disciples expecting Jesus to send the crowds off to go and get their own food? Have you realized that God requires more than a token gesture in giving? He requires giving from us that helps meet the great need that exists God wants to meet the needs of the world, and he wants to do it through transforming generosity. He could, of course, produce it without us. He's more than capable. Just look at the manna, that strange coriander honey bread that he provided for the people of Israel many years before when they roamed the desert. But here, Jesus shows us that as his followers, he requires us to participate in his transforming generosity. Jesus is determined to meet the needs and feed the people, and he wants us to help. The disciples wonder, though, where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How can it be done? How can such a huge need be met in these conditions? And it's easy for us, I think, to join in with the disciples' thinking, to think like that how on earth can we give generously in this economic climate? How can we seriously expect each of us to give all we can? How can such a huge need in people in Baston Hill and Shrewsbury be met by us? Like the disciples, such questions arise when we lose sight of one crucial thing, that Jesus himself is the bread of life in him all needs can be met. When we offer our gifts of time, our skills, when we offer our money, we join in with Jesus. We trust them to him, knowing that he will generously bring transformation through this generosity. We know therefore that as we give all we can to meet the needs of others, Jesus will meet our needs too. Kate and I have always found this to be true. We've consistently given at least 10% of our income to church and God has always, always, without fail, provided all that we need and more. So this gift day, be encouraged to give because there is a need which God wants to do something about. The question though is this, is that need to see others transformed through generosity burning in your heart? My prayer is that each of us, in our own way, will play a part in God's amazing provision. So ask God to help you to be truly involved today. The second key point, then, about giving we see in Mark's account is that Jesus receives what we have to offer. How many loaves do you have? He asks them. What do you have to give? What do you have that I can use? I wonder what you have to offer to Jesus. I wonder what I have, truly. Notice, though, that once Jesus knows there are seven loaves and a few small fish, he doesn't then tell the disciples to share out what there is and hope that there's enough crumbs and fish scales to go round. Jesus didn't go in for making do. Why the church can insist on doing this is beyond me. Jesus takes what is offered and he gives thanks for it and he shares it out. And miraculously, there's an abundance of provision, a filling meal with plenty of leftovers. When we give, we partner with Jesus, who receives it, who gives thanks for it, and then multiplies it. But notice this, for some, or for somebody, those loaves and fish were a costly gift. They gave away their only certain meal, in the hope that Jesus would do something special with it. They gave everything so that more could benefit. How prepared are we to give a costly gift, to give what we have so that more can benefit? Are you and I doing the equivalent of giving half a loaf, or a quarter of a loaf, or a fish's tail to ensure that we keep something back for ourselves? Or are we giving all that we can, certain that God will bless others and ourselves? And are we prepared to give to feed those who are only just joining the crowd following Jesus, the many who are now participating in our own Fresh Expressions and all sorts of congregations, part of Christ Church? These are all very important questions. This gift day, be encouraged to ask God to set you free to give like never before. Thirdly then, the third point, we're offering back to God what he's already provided. Notice Jesus accepts the gift of something already provided, bread and fish, grain from the field, fish from the sea. We give from all that God has given us. When I was growing up, I remember joining in these words to God each week in church. You may have done the same As we brought the offering forward, we said these words, all things come from you, and of your own do we give you. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. When we give, we're not giving something of our own to God. We're not giving something up. We're simply returning it to God. When we grasp this, it can be incredibly liberating, It takes much of the pain away because we're not giving up ownership. It's God's. It always was. I remember this aspect of giving sinking in when I was setting out on church ministry back when I was 22. I didn't have much money at all and very much lived on trust. But when this particular light bulb came on, I felt released to give to God what he'd already provided But more than being liberating, this understanding helps us to answer a very important question, a question that can so easily keep me awake at night. Where on earth do we get what we need as a church? Where on earth do we get what we need as a church? And of course, it's from all that God has provided. God has already provided all the money we need and more as a church community it's sitting in our bank accounts in our wallets and in our purses god has already provided all that we need and more besides to reach our giving target of 156,000 pounds all we need to do is offer it back to him this gift day i invite you to join in this simple prayer all things come from you and of your own do we give you Fourthly, then, Jesus wants trust. Why does this generation ask for a oh dear, miraculous sign. Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? And you'll see that in verse 12 of chapter eight. Part of the culture of Jesus' day was the preoccupation with looking for God in the extraordinary, the sign from heaven. The Pharisees wanted to see a spectacularly supernatural event, a miracle of epic proportions. But Jesus saw through this desire, he saw it for what it was. It wasn't a wish to see God's hand at work, it was blindness to his hand already at work in the everyday, the ordinary, the excluded, the forgotten, the lowest of the low. God's power didn't need to break in in a breathtaking demonstration, it was already there in the form, in the person of Jesus. How easy it is for us to fall into the same trap as those in the society of Jesus. Before we sign up to Jesus' mission, all that he's beginning and initiating in this place at this time, before we play our part, before we offer our money, we can want a sign from heaven. We want it written in the sky. Otherwise, we remain unconvinced. But to do this, is to miss the hand of God already at work. The leaflet that church members received in the last couple of weeks with our giving letter gives a taster of all that God's generosity is doing in and through our church community. And the stories and the testimonies we've been hearing on Easter Sunday and throughout the Life on the Frontline Sunday sermon series indicate the fruit that God is producing. Over the last year, all that God is doing is providing much growth and potential for the future. Our financial giving will be a huge part of us joining in with all the wonderful things that God is already doing. And so this gift day, be encouraged to see the hand of God already at work and to join in, play your part. So to finish, the PCC and myself are asking each of us to make our response whatever that is, to prayerfully review our regular giving, to give by standing order or using the envelope scheme, and if you're a taxpayer, to use gift aid. If you need any help, you can always speak to Owen, our treasurer, about that. But we are each asked to make a one off gift too. Now let me break this down for you. If every church member, those who are part of our established core as a church, increased their monthly giving on average by £9 a month and gave a one-off gift of £50, we would reach our giving target for this year. £9 a month and an average gift of £50. Obviously, some can't manage that and that's okay. But others can do more. If you haven't come prepared to respond today, and please don't worry, but I do ask that you do something about it. It's very important that we're in this together. But I do want to thank you for your giving because it really does make a big difference. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would Enable your transforming generosity to burn in our hearts so that we can give to help meet the need, the very real need in this town, in this community, and to help others to encounter your life changing love. Lord, free us up to give like never before. We offer back to you gifts from what you've already provided and we trust that your hand is already at work and so Lord grant us the courage to join in we ask this in your name Lord Jesus Amen I'm going to put my giving response in the basket now and if you've not put your response in the basket then you can do that during the offertory hymn which is the last hymn. And uh, if you want to respond this morning, there are spare response forms on the table at the back, or else please do it in the next week or so. Thank you.